Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and I think we should call this Rocket Man Missile Joe. I'm Eric, and, well, I think we should do the obvious thing and call this Rocket Man Elton John. Well, I'm Richard, and I think we should call this Rocket Man Mr. Burns, because that's what would be happening. Yeah, we're talking about this Rocket Man as we get ready to fill plot holes. What are we filling these plot holes with, guys? Um, unspent Reichsmarks. Early printed Deutsche marks? A closet full of dresses that you've taken from sets? As we talk about The Rocketeer, 1991. It's a movie. It is a movie. We watched it. Does it have a plot, Eric? It does. So, The Rocketeer is a movie based on a guy named Brendan. I may have blinked on his name right there. <laughs> Cliff? <laughs> you know, B, C, they're, they're very they're very close letters in the alphabet. Guy named Brendan. I mean, Cliff. I don't know. This is why they had so, such a hard time tracking him down in the film. I mean, he doesn't show up in the phone books correctly, so. And this is probably, well, I guess it wasn't a time before phones, but... I mean, they were only like 20 years old at this time, so still pretty new technology. Anyways, so the Rocketeer is... It is Cliff, though, right? It is Cliff, yes. Okay. All right. So you have like a nickname Peavy or something like that? Uh, that's his scientist friend. Okay. Yeah. Peavy's the friend. The... All right. The rich uncle, or not rich, but the the really smart uncle that's still like working in a garage because that's what he loves doing, but he could really be doing... Uh, more important things. He's one lab accident away from becoming a supervillain. Let's be honest. Well, it's is a Marvel movie, so he could be a superhero. So what does he have to do with the plot? I don't know. I'm probably going to cut that part out. So the Rocketeer follows a character named Cliff, who is a stunt pilot. That's how he makes his money. He, can, uh, he flies planes around and gets paid for it. In fact, he can make a whopping like $25 a day. Doing those plane tricks. That's good 15 money. 15 bucks a show. I mean, this is like 1938. So 15, 25 bucks goes quite a long way. That's like support a family on that. Well, he flies planes around and he is testing out a brand new plane that's going to get him to regionals. Well, okay. So nationals, he already won in regionals, but you know, they also need to do the semi regionals and maybe the county regionals. Anyways, he's testing a plane out so he can get to nationals, the national air race competition. When out of the blue, some gangsters and some coppers are just shooting guns everywhere, mostly at each other, but also in other places too. And that ends up bringing his plane down. And he's feeling pretty bummed because he, he was this close to nationals. But the reason, so let's go back to those gangsters and coppers. The reason the gangsters were running away from the coppers is they had stolen a prototype rocket pack. It's, a, it's an amazing feat of engineering. 
And this rocket pack allows Cliff to, pro to become the Rocket Man. No, that's a dumb name. The Rocketeer? How about the Rocketeer? What are some other ones that they call him in the in the movie? Oh shoot, I don't remember. I don't remember. I know the Rocket Man, um, Missile Mike, Missile Man, Missile Man. He becomes Missile Man. No, we'll just call him the Rocketeer. That's the, they already printed up a whole bunch of posters with that on there, so we'll just use that one. Anyways, so the he becomes the Rocketeer, and which he. He doesn't really go out of his way to like save a ton of people. He just does it once. Once, yeah. I mean, more in some of the cutscenes, but still. But he is also dating this this swell gal, who is an aspiring movie star. She happens to meet Timothy Dalton's character, whom I can't remember the name of either. Neville Sinclair. Mm -mm. That definitely sounds like a baddie name. I mean, all you have to do is take the N off and he's evil Sinclair. I mean, the good point, because he is the bad guy. He is a Nazi spy and he is trying to get the rocket pack. So through a, through a bunch of encounters with the mob, a giant monster man, uh, Neville Sinclair, uh, Timothy Dalton's characters steals it for Germany, but then promptly blows up because he put a bullet hole in it and the rocket uses, well, rocket fuel, and it's not very stable, but all in all, so just to cut like a hour and a half movie, two hour movie down to like 10 seconds. Uh, We're already longer than 10 seconds, Eric. I know that I'm just kind of, I should have written these down. <laughs> you say that every time. Except for the times I do write it down, then it turns out like really well. It's like, ah, whatever. I can wing it. You can wing it. Anyways. But so you can't wing it on the Rocketeer. He doesn't have wings. That's true. He doesn't have wings. He blew those up at the beginning so of the movie. So long story short is the story about a man who finds his rocket, but in the end discovers the real rocket was the girl he could have been dating all along. I thought they were dating all yeah, along. Yeah, see, I don't know what the problem here is. Um... Nazism? No, I think the problem I here. Think, I'm pretty is, sure Nazism is, is, the is that the government didn't want to uh, refund the plane that they helped explode. Mm -hmm. It is the government's problem, and now we become one of those podcasts. Uh, but yeah, in short, uh, Cliff gets a rocket, uses it to save a person, and then blows up a person too with that same rocket. Two purposes, one rocket. Many problems, one solution. Rocket. Blow up the moon. So yeah, that's the basic, basic, basic premise of the ro the Rocket Man. Rocketeer. Whoops. <laughs> they should have just let him go to Nationals. <laughs> Send him to Koshien. Yeah. Well, I think he was going to Nationals because uh, he got a plane at the very end that he could use for Nationals. Yeah, and all he had to do was uh, break the law even more. Listen, it was given by Howard Hughes, and that's okay if he does it. He's eccentric. Okay. So what about the facts about the movie? All right. So it was released in 1991, John. You didn't have to question yourself there. <laughs> All right. It was June 21st, 1991. Had an estimated budget of $35 million. It earned $9.6 in the opening weekend and ended up grossing a little over 46 million. 46 million, 46.7. Ooh, ooh. 
How, it was sorry. I'll 35. 35. I thought you said 36, but I mean, that's close enough. So, mm. uh... It didn't really earn its money back. And it was based on a comic book um, where it was actually not owned by either Marvel or DC at the time. And uh, was ran into some fun copyright issues because the original inventor in the comic book of the Rocket Pack was Doc Savage, who has been used by Marvel, DC, Dark Horse. But when they bought the rights to the Rocketeer comic book, they didn't contact the guy who owned Doc Savage to rights to use his character, which is why they ended up using Howard Hughes instead. Because he's a real person, you can just make stuff up about him. He is. And he was eccentric. Plus, uh, the the Disney was trying to uh, drum up a little bit more um, publicity because they owned the Spruce Goose at the time, which was the giant was a, is the giant wooden plane that was designed and flown flown by Howard Hughes. I think the actual name was Hercules, right? Yeah, it was the H the H one Hercules. Uh, troop. It was supposed to be a troop transport, but they didn't make it out of metal because it would be too heavy. So they used wood. But, I mean, wood is also not as strong as metal. So it flew once. But it is the reason why when uh, our rocket, our rocketeer is fleeing from Howard Hughes's uh, factory, grabs onto the model plane, and Hughes looks over, it will fly. Instead of, you know, explaining that it's, oh, this is the spruce goose that he's worried about flying. You just have to know aviation history and who Howard Hughes is. For that bit to make sense. So as a little bit of a side, like growing up, it always seemed like the Spruce Goose was a little bit more in the cultural zeitgeist, though. Because I remember like a lot more shows referencing it, like in the 90s. Well, yeah, but how many of those shows were owned by Disney? Probably the majority of them. Is, mm-hmm. is it all coming together now? Because Disney but- wanted people to go see it because they owned it at the time. And I think it... The Spruce Goose and the Queen Mary are the only two attractions that Disney has ever put out that lost money in the U.S. So so I'm just marveling at Eric finally learning about subtle uh, marketing. Well, I didn't know that Disney actually owned it. I thought it was just Yeah, I just a... found out they just owned it, but I'm feeling the same thing. I'm like, oh, that explains why there are so many things that reference why we even know the phrase the Spruce Goose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was... It was a thing that they bought and they were putting it on display. I they don't own it anymore. I, I know. I mean, they lost money on it, so they gotta. Yeah. They'd be like, "Yeah, we don't want this." I know. At least with the Queen Mary, uh, the city of Long Beach now owns it, mm-hmm. it's, or Disney like gifted it to them for tax breaks or so, I don't know something mm-hmm. like that. So I, I'm assuming it maybe has gone to the Hughes um, family. Or if only there was some sort of device yeah. we could. Jeez, what, what would we <laughs> do? Be we able even to do? care about that enough to look it up? Listen, as '90s kids, yes. I mean, we were born but this, in the, the '80s. The Spruce but... Goose is way older than the '90s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's currently with the Evergreen Aviation and Space Museum. Okay, where is that? California, I'd assume. Uh, I. It was an airplane. You could fly Oregon. it anywhere you wanted. But see, it's a seaplane, though. You can't. You can only take it on the seas. You can fly it. You can only fly it over the seas. You can fly it anywhere. You can only. Does a seaplane is supposed to land 
on the sea and take off from the Oregon. sea. But any sufficiently large body of water will work. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I guess the Pacific's big enough. Uh, so the plane he was flying in the opening, the GB, is an actual airplane. It was the Model Z from 1931, built by the Granville brothers, hence the GB. And uh, it won, It did actually win the 1932 trophy flying race because it had a, it was the fastest plane at the time with 252 miles an hour. They had notoriously bad landing gear though, which. Well, from, from what I was seeing, it was all engine. That is, that is basically what it was. It was a cockpit and so, wings and a tail built around an engine. And so like trying to land, you're, you're incredibly unbalanced on the ground. They built it to be in the air. It was never supposed to land. It was supposed to just be flying the entire time. It's supposed to go and go quick. They should have um, just dropped it out of a bigger plane. Kind of. I think actually some plane or they were planning on doing that. But if I remember correctly, like 60% of those planes that were of all the GBs that were built crashed and uh, they killed a lot of pilots. They so. were notoriously hard to fly. So, but uh, the the other airplane the that was used uh, got nicknamed the Flying Coffin because it had really really bad handling in the air. Is that that's the one at the end of the movie, or uh, it's the one that the they were using for the clown? Oh, the the biplane. <laughs> yeah, they just they just had the deadliest uh, planes, and that's how you know he's such a good pilot. Yeah, it was you know. Real good. Uh, the house used by used for Neville Sinclair's house was actually designed by Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright, and it actually gets used in Blade Runner, uh, Moon Forty Four, and Predator Two. Oh yeah, yeah. And you can like if you those, those big weird, tiles, the weird column tiles. Mm-hmm. So I was watching it and wondering if that was supposed to be like a reference to the fact that uh, Neville's a Nazi. No. Because it's, they have the the weird like angled bit, and I'm like, are they are they trying to reference a swastika subtly? But no, apparently it's just Frank Lloyd Wright. Just, just Frank Lloyd Wright. He's like, I like this weird shape. And then uh, Disney actually had a special mechanism built for this film, the shaky cam. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, <laughs> it was. You just, it was specifically designed to introduce vibrations and they wanted it for inside the Zeppelin so that it would be more look like the big engines going and everything was shaking during the fight without having to shake the set that the people were trying to fight on. I, I'm, I'm just saying though, that shaking a camera seems to be like a basic skill. Like that's the sort of thing that you learn before you learn how to hold a camera. Well, it's this thing that they, you put cam you put cameras on like level things and smooth flowing rails specifically to not have this i mean i they could have paid me and i would have done it for him I, I mean they were probably inspired by when i think uh, there were laws against hiring children at that time you think disney cares about ruining children actors not that i was a child actor but oh, see, the, the yeah. actors know but they would have had to put you on payroll as holding a camera uh and i'm not part of the union that's mm-hmm. right yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
It's because you were not part of the union. That is the problem. Mm-hmm. I, were they inspired by uh, Ted Raimi or Sam Raimi uh, nailing a camera to a board? <laughs> I, I was going to say that too. Like I'm, I'm Sam Raimi did a pretty good job with a two by four. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, some other fun things. Um, Bill Campbell, who is our Cliff main character, uh, ended up getting the part because he decided to go out and get the haircut from the comic book for his audition. Uh, and my personal favorite thing, because it, but it doesn't come up in the film, there was a cut scene where Neville Sinclair actually sends a coded message off to the uh, off to the Nazis. Which we see him leaving his secret room, which that was supposed to be, but they actually sourced an actual Enigma machine to use for that scene. So I thought you were going to be like, oh, and uh, this was the uh, Ovaltine code that the, <laughs> the message was actually seen in. So if you pulled out your Ovaltine decoder ring. No, no. They got an actual Enigma machine to use for the use for this film, and then it got cut. What? Well, I don't. I don't want to say how many Enigma machines existed in the in World War II. There was probably a bunch of them. Though, there right? were a bunch of them, but I mean, they're all in museums now, or destroyed, or mm-hmm. at the bottom of the sea, probably. But they were they were a fun bit of encoding history, mm-hmm. and I I like that. <laughs> no, it's it's way cool. Like trying to figure out like exactly how an, an how an Enigma sh- machine works is. Well, you had to be pretty smart to, like, design it. I'm still just thrown by the, oh, I thought it was easier to get an Enigma machine to then just make a fake-looking Enigma machine interface. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Isn't that the whole purpose it, of movies is to make fake things look real? Isn't an Enigma sh- machine just basically a keyboard with a bunch of rotating cylinders? I've seen a lot of keyboards I mean... and rotating <laughs> cylinders in a lot of movies, and I'm, I'm like, they went the extra mile, and then they cut it. And then they cut it and from the film. It. Uh, the other cut sequence was there was a lot more stuff when he was escaping from the South Seas Club and he was actually sa- he ended up saving people there, uh, foot- footprints in wet cement, the whole deal. Uh, had a, it flew through a, uh, through th- flew through the pane of glass, the no. pane glass window as they were crossing the no. street. Uh, oh no, no. So cause, cause he's it's the wet cement on Hollywood Boulevard, you see. Oh, Okay. I'm just saying there should have been the plane, pane glass window and he comes flying and they like, like turn it sideways and he flies over it and then they, you know, stand it up and then the mobsters drive through. Oh, did he, did he go down that long windy road in San Francisco? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's got to follow the road and he's like uh, rocketing along. Well, I mean, they're in Los Angeles, so San Francisco's a few hundred miles away though. It would have been a bit to get there. No, he, he's got a rocket pack. I mean, too, yeah, that's true. But Zeppelins don't move that fast. And yeah, but the mobsters were after him. They were in cars. That's a different mob town. Oh, it's the, it's the San Francisco mob? You basic, probably. It's just the Homeowners Association? Mm, yeah. But the other thing is that uh, Bill Campbell and Jen- uh, Jennifer Connelly actually started a relationship because of this film and ended up getting engaged. They never got married. They broke up like five years later, but... But that's a pretty long time. It is pretty long time, especially for Hollywood romance. Until she met a, a little goblin to take her away. I guess that was before. The, that goblin, was before. the goblin was before. So she's cheating on the Goblin King? <laughs> there was never any real, like, 
relationship with the Goblin King. Listen, John, just because it's a Hollywood romance doesn't mean you can say it's all platonic and business related. So do you want to know who was considered initially for uh, Cliff's character? Yeah, who was the initial? Disney's favorite choice for the role was a young Johnny Depp. You know, if Johnny Depp was the Rocketeer, they would have made money. I wonder if he wanted too much money. Or, ooh, maybe he was too... Sh- He's kind of a short person, Oh, though. it's true. Maybe he didn't look... like He, d- he doesn't have that Rocketeer uh, look mm. to where he's, like, kind of tower. He's not that classic uh, golden era hero physique. But it would have been interesting, and we would have had to figure out what time how what time period he got he was sent here from and who he was telling this story to ah the depth depths the depth depths but i mean he basically like if he had ended up in there i think we could have gotten away with him just telling the story of a flash gordon comic book yeah to some kid and the kid's like i know this (laughs) shut up kid give me the popcorn when did the rocketeer comic actually come out um was it the 50s or 60s uh, let's see the original. Yeah, it was the 19, it was 1950s was when, um, Dave Stevens was writing it. Okay. I was just wondering if it was based around the same time as the world's fair in the Lone Ranger movie. So the 1920s or whatever, but probably not because that was, um, Flash Gordon time or no, um, Jim Carter, John Carter of Mars. Anyways, it, they didn't have the same comic books. So which era comic books is it? Is it Golden Era? Is it Silver Era? What are the time frames of those? So the Golden Era is the, the OG. Is that like original Superman, original Batman? Yeah. Yeah. So that's 30s. Which, which kind of feels like it would fit in, except for it'd be like... It'd have to be 40s minimum because... Because of the, the Nazis. Well, yeah. It is actually much later because Dave Stevens wrote it late. It qualifies as Bronze Age. It's a Bronze Age. It's a Bronze Age comic book. So 60s to 70s? Uh, 70s to 85. Okay. Rocketeer first appeared in Star Slayer in 1982. Well, maybe that's why Disney is like... So it's a relatively new hero. Mm-hmm. But it's from a third party, like not even third mm-hmm. it party. It was but initially published by Pacific Comics. I'm not into comic books, so I don't know who that is, but I'm assuming they're not around anymore. See, it feels like it like it should be an older comic. I think mm-hmm. that's it. Well, thing. and that's the thing is because it was based around that era of storytelling, was specifically designed to be pulp yeah, it, it, it's supposed to be pulp, but, you know, the people who were into the pulp was not their thing. So now I'm going to see see why kind of it failed, because it's like, who's your who's your audience and who you're drawing in on the side? It's a very niche audience, I think. But I mean, it still made like it made back its at least initial budget, but not. It's, it didn't earn uh, back marketing yeah, marketing and the prints and ads budget. So which is the. Uh, the issue, but I mean, it's still a cult classic. I, people enjoy the movie and we can talk about that when we actually get in after we fill in the plot holes. 
Speaking of which, are, are we on time for the plot holes now? It is time for plot holes. Where are we getting our plot holes from? Well, we are getting our plot holes from moviemistakes.com and IMDb, our old favorite. Old Reliable. This baby can fit so many plot holes in there. All right. So the first plot hole on moviemistakes.com is the helmet design is rubbish. The eye holes are far too small. That close to the eyes, the divider between the eye holes would block almost a third of the wearer's vision. He would hardly be able to see what was right in front of him. And it is not too close nor too narrow to fall into the blind spot between the eyes. This is not a character error by PV. The helmet design came from the original plans. It is even shown in the German propaganda film. Now, I did pay attention when we were watching. It doesn't show up in the German propaganda film. They are incorrect there. The German propaganda film has just the full, like, triangle visor going on, which would solve all of these problems. But uh, admittedly, PV did not have access to the German propaganda film at the time he was building Didn't it. Didn't he design the helmet entirely himself? Because he, he's, he added the rudder. Mm-hmm. Now, now I, I disagree with that the uh, eye holes are too small. They are pretty large to a portion of the face, like... I, th- I think there was just the gap between the eye holes. He's assumed the, I'm assuming it's a, he, whoever wrote it, um, it's like, well, it's too, um, it's, there's too much blank space in between. So your eyes can't do the, uh, cross section. Yeah. But I mean, like we're all testing, holding fingers in front of our face. Yeah. We are all and, doing the fingers in front of face test. And I can actually like, it's not perfect. And I'm assuming in an, oh, as I'm talking with my mouth in front of my face. Um, cause how much, how, how big is the helmet actually? All right. All right. So the thing is, is based off of fingers in front of face test, I can easily get three fingers wide up to, uh, you're like six inches away from your face though. Yeah. See? Yeah. And so that's the thing is that's where it starts to be where, um, you're, I can in a solid block. I have the, like, I can see my fingers the whole time. They're kind of there and annoying. But yeah. I see, also see past my fingers, and it's, that's where it's the like, block is like six inches away. If it gets closer, it has more overlap. Well, like I can see my fingers, but there's still the after image behind it at the same time. And yep, I think because that's you can too, see on either side with your other eye. Yeah. And I think that's still too wide, though. I think it's only like a two, an index yeah, it, and a middle finger width. If like well, probably see, two but fingers. That, I think that's why we like went straight to the three fingers is to go with the. This feels like it should be too wide, but it but it's not. It's not like we have small fingers. We are all tall men. Um, I'm not a piano player. Is anyone here a piano? John, pro- I have you probably played have the piano. I, 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 I played t- clarinet. I did clarinet as well. But out of all of us, like looking at the fingers, John, you probably have the most sausage finger hands. I think I have the skinniest fingers, and this is what people are really when they tune into a plot holes that episode they're really they want to know about our fingers we are letting so much finger information out we're gonna get weird advertisements <laughs> for sausage fingers chicken fingers pianos <laughs> um wait like obvious i unless we had an actual helmet to test it i mean we could try it but that's a mandalorian helmet. i have a mandalorian helmet in the uh in the recording space but it's different than the Art um, Deco Rocketeer helmet. I has, mean, it's not too different. I would different. argue that you have less visibility for the 
the eye holes are too small in the Mandalorian helmet than you would in the Rocketeer helmet because of how big they made those eye holes for the Rocketeer Mm -hmm. versus the like really thin slit visor. Mm -hmm. How well do you see out of that helmet? Um, You cannot see like the lower... Lower right and lower left. All right. You can see through it, but you, it is definitely like, kind of like you're seeing through snow goggles. It's not, you don't have a huge field of vision and you have to turn your head if you want to look at something. All right. Yeah. I feel like the, the helmet for the Rocketeer is a perfectly functioning helmet. I'm assuming that they just built a helmet you could see out of just fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Like they probably just took another helmet for another purpose. I don't identify it. And then added in like the rudder and the extra little bits. Cause that's the easiest way to just make a helmet. I'm wondering if it's like a welding helmet first. So welding helmets, I thought was just, they tend to be uh, the clear glass, but the paint of glass, but this is art deco, John art deco helmets, looking them up. Cause like the eye holes are sufficiently large. Like you can see from the outside in, I know early on when he puts it on, there's at least a shot where you can see his eye and like his full brow and his cheek pretty clearly through the uh, through one of the holes at least. So I'm assuming they're pretty f- big. And they it look it looks more like if you look at a bee's face, it's about it's more similar to like bee's eyes, not not as big as bee's eyes or whatever, but compared to a human face, it's much larger. And I think this person is just. They're just making guesses on... On how much uh, it's blocking the vision. Exactly. Well, and, like, I think the interesting thing is if you compare it to, like, when he initially is taking off, he's wearing those the big aviator goggles that are about the same size around him, have a bunch of padding around it. I'm like, if I were PV, who works in... Aviation, aviation, aviation mechanic, aviation mechanics. I just go, let's build a helmet around some aviator goggles. Yeah. You know, it works and just got to make it strong enough to hold together to have the rudder. And it just has to be streamlined too. Yeah. Hence why he was using the art deco space heater. Maybe even it's even up. He's a, took a, a work helmet that, uh, the cliff wore when they're doing, a. Uh, soldering and uh, and welding because he works on the planes as well. He's not just the pilot. He does help with the uh, like maintenance and everything. maintenance. Um, just as an FYI, I don't know if I'll keep this in, but welding helmets basically haven't changed in almost eighty years. Yeah, so. well, it works. It doesn't have to change. So don't have to reinvent the wheel. Basically, yeah. Like I think, let me show you a picture of someone. This is from nineteen forty three. The welding helmet. So it's that's like, an interesting article. Oh, did it? It, it, it skipped up. Oh, that's so I hate. Yeah. That. Well, I mean, it solves the problem, but it, it's just it's an Art Deco helmet for an Art Art Deco style. So yeah. So take that guy. Guy you didn't even do the finger in front of face test, and it is uh, very scientific. All right, so the next plot hole on movie mistakes. The use of the rocket pack makes no sense. The distance, assuming they started from their homeland of Germany to the United States, is 4,882 miles. Surely the Air Force could detect all the flying Nazis and shoot them down. 
Um, how good was Radar in this time? Like, I know they had they Radar. They were developing and refining it, but like a high-speed man-sized object would still be hard to uh, get a lock on. Mm-hmm. So, and assuming assuming we believe the propaganda film that's always going to paint uh, the the Nazis, uh, you know, to, to steal Winston Churchill phrase, in the, the best light possible, yeah, they're going to win because it came from a propaganda film. <laughs> yeah, we can't assume that a propaganda film is correct. That is literally the opposite of the purpose of a propaganda film. No. If we assume this lie is correct... The interesting thing for this, like, admittedly, the distance is weird and Air Force detection, sure. They never fill the fuel in the rocket pack because they don't, like, they know it's an alcohol-based fuel, but they don't know how much it is. They didn't do anything. They never add fuel the entire film, and he does all of the flying on one tank. So apparently this rocket pack is super fuel efficient. I think it's, like, auto- fermenting the alcohol from the atmosphere. <laughs> I don't think you can get alcohol from the atmosphere, John. No, no, but, but you get you can get like uh other things from the atmosphere and But you have to still throw your hops and your uh grains in there. It's growing. Like it has the hops in the one cylinder. Mm, it's and a nice yeast IPA. It, so what it does is it combines like it brews the the alcohol. <laughs> I think that's a bit of a stretch. I mean, you don't have to bring it. It's, the Germans wanted it. It wasn't for the rocket technology. It was for the beer manufacturing. Look, I'm pretty they sure just the Germans wanted one know that how to didn't brew blow up. Yeah, but imagine you have a portable flying brewery. That would change the war. Like, you would have the happiest German soldiers. Drunk, yes, but yeah, but very they happy. Wouldn't, they wouldn't need to go to war anymore. Then they'd be Soviet soldiers, John. <laughs> now, see, Soviets drink when they're sad, and it makes them more sad. Have you seen a Soviet army? Of course they're sad. I'm just throwing stuff out there. <laughs> I can tell. I no, was no, just saying, like, we, if it's it a... It has a sufficient tank. It, it is a very fuel-efficient thing, and so... Like, look, as far as we know, that uh, 4,882 miles, yeah, it's going to make it because. Yeah, and it, it's sufficient thrust to that they got the, the truck to race down the road. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. And then the big thing with it is that it's a backpack and it fits in a bag and you have they clearly have a group of operatives that are working in the United States, because you can just have all the entire Nazi uh, group just pile out of the bushes to uh, surround our gangsters at the end of the film. So clearly they had enough operatives that they could just manufacture it in the United States and claim that they flew here the whole time. Or even then, just, just the use of uh, the rocket packs for military purposes. I mean, it allows, like, it wouldn't be so great for long-distance attacks. It'd actually be kind of terrible for that. Basically, it would just turn them into a, like, light cavalry. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, you would have some benefits to long-distance travels, and, like, you could get people from one end of Germany to the other end really quick, which would be handy in a two-front war. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of your people would be fairly um, spry still. They haven't marched or done a forced march. 
I mean, you don't have to, you can blow up any bridge you want because mm-hmm. you can get your guys across the bridge real easily. And you don't have to deal with like trenches and a lot of, uh, ground, uh, ground barricades, things like that that would normally prevent infantry. I mean, you could in urban fighting, use it to get to the top of buildings and blow out all the stairs so they can't get to you for that way. They, have yep, to, they, they just have to take out the whole building. They have to take out the whole building. I mean, I would, I'm not an, obviously not a general or whatever, but use it for saboteurs as well. Like, Hey, they're using this bridge as a logistics uh, method. Yeah. Let's blow up that bridge. Let's, let's mess up their logistics just a smidge. Oh yeah. Go get, attack the prisoners, like where they're holding your prisoners and have guys go in with a spare jetpack Cause they're light. I mean, and then you, you hook it up with all the prisoners. Then everyone just flies out over the walls. Or just, you know, short behind enemy lines attacks. I mean, the worst possible use of them is just giving guys uh, rifles and having them fly into the battle. That's the terrible use. That's Mm -hmm. not what you want to use them for. You don't want uh, guys floating in the air with a machine gun because then they're just going to get machine gunned and explode. But imagine, if you will, you give like three guys a big squad gun, fly them into an urban setting, put them on top of, have them go... Now we have claimed the high ground and established a position of control while the rest of your military moves in. Or like you put all your guys on a submarine, you surface uh, in international waters, and then they go race across just above the waves. They're outside of radar range. They're outside of visual range until it's too late because they are moving so fast. So, John, just I want to count. You said that just giving the rocket or the the German rocket men or whatever the rocket men uh, would be a terrible idea. Just remember this is from Nazi Germany and Germany had a general named France Holder who was not put in charge of holding France. <laughs> I guess yeah, they, they did have some logistic idea problems. Like France Holder should have done been the guy in charge of holding France. I mean, man, Hitler was dumb. So I could see him giving, yeah, you know what? Let's basically invent helicopters before helicopters are like super. Like it's a helicopter, but with less weapons and armor. But there isn't, again, look at the competition that it has to deal with at the time. It's, it is all currently prop engines. Yeah. And um, like sea landings at the time. Still dangerous. Still dangerous. If you could just take a group of people on a boat and just have them land. Ah, uh, yeah. Where they don't have to deal with a fortified position on on the seashore trying to stop them because you can just fly over it. Yeah, for for invading the U.S., it wouldn't be great, but it would be excellent for taking England. Mm-hmm. Like, like trying to shoot down all the uh, rocketeering... Nazis coming over the channel. Yeah, it wouldn't. It would not have been great for England. Dunkirk with rocketeers. Um, how do you guys happen to know off the top of your head how many like home defense soldiers England kept? Like, I guess National Guard or not. I don't know what it's I actually do called. Because I this is for World War One, so it's all like a completely different war. But um, when Britain told Germany, like, we'll we'll send our army over. Uh, Germany mentioned like, okay, we'll arrest them. 
it's Britain didn't have a very large army because no, they're all naval. Naval, exactly. So I'm, I can't remember if it switched for World War II. I'm assuming so, but obviously uh, it probably, Navy would it be pro- the probably did not swir- switch too much. And that's the thing is there's not that much uh, reserve guard in Britain because mm-hmm. they got Navy and they have a lot of uh, outward projection. I mean, if you can, you're basically surrounded by a moat. So yeah, as long as you can protect that, which is why airplanes are so dangerous for, for, for England. Yeah. That's why they had to worry about the bombing rates. But here's the thing. You have an invasion force that can literally fly over the ocean Mm. in maybe five minutes or less. Because those rocket, the, the rocketeer was moving pretty quick. He was outpacing the airplanes. And the one that could go over 200 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it's like the, the channel's I, what? 30, 30 miles? 30 miles. And, and that, that, is that at the shortest point? Or if we boost it up to 60 miles, let's say 60 miles at some points of the channel, that's still only like a 20 minute flight. It's not even that. Well, you got to get set up and everything. I mean, generally it's about 21 miles wide. Okay. So. Yeah. And remember the, the. Planes were like high speed planes were hitting like 200 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we're talking, we're spending a little too what much I'm time just saying on this. is that the, the Nazis would be, that would they be would, a very effective tool for the Nazis. They would take out uh, Britain first. America is just a little bit too far logistically. They would, but if they used it as a landing force where you brought your boats over and then used it to skip over trying to do like a beach d-day style landing yeah but also specifically you got to remember they're going to use it to conquer england first mm-hmm. and if they control england they don't have to worry about uh england's navy mm-hmm. and we, that changes everything mm-hmm. like and we we can have this on our uh, alternative world war ii podcast another t- time <laughs> if if rocketeer <laughs> That the Rocketeer technology got back to uh, Germany and worked as presented in the film. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's one, th- like, you can always reverse engineer by, or you can try reverse engineering through, a, no, I'm not going to, it might be easy to reverse engineer the physical thing, but it's still like, you need to know the exact composition of the materials, which I mean they could do. But I'm probably going to cut this part out. Let's, we should probably just move continue moving on before Talking we have more an, about rocketeer before we <laughs> thought we were going to talk about rocketeer before we have a two-hour episode again All right. so let's go on to the third plot hole we move over to imdb where we have the thing where howard hughes destroys the plans for our rocket pack despite the fact that a small air breathing alcohol powered jet engine rocket would have tons of other uses than just military and if it scaled up would have had even more uses so why does he destroy it when there are so many other uses for it than just war? Because he knows invariably it would be used for war. He was actively, so going back to the Nazis, they were still trying to get the plans, weren't they? He he needs to keep the plans out of the Nazis' hands. Well, with, I think it was the final moment for him realizing that regardless of what he does with the technology, mm-hmm. one you can't put the genie back in the bottle. You can't get rid of it. Once you've rocketeered, you can't unrocketeer. Mm-hmm. And so even if now 
the Germans don't get it in 20, 30 years, someone who is a bad actor will be using this technology for destructive purposes. I, bl- I bet the Soviets do it. They're good at stealing stuff. Or they were good at stealing stuff. It's not stealing. It's espionage. Making it That's part a fancy of name for the stealing. peoples. The peoples own it. You don't own anything. Everyone owns everything together. That's how these things work. And if you don't agree with that, just you get some people own more of it than others. Yes, yes. As man, you bourgeoisie saying it from your beach house. Yeah. Well, but you will really do represent the people. See, my thing is, I think that the for Howard Hughes destroying it because he talks about how he lost a couple of people just in the testing phase, and so it was already something that he didn't like. Because it's already killed people that were helping him. And so he just, he, he didn't like it. This was people were going drop. to be using it for war that he was, he was just like, yeah, no, it's, we've already lost too many people. I'm getting rid of it. And let's think about it realistically too. Jetpacks just aren't that useful for like, they use it way too much fuel to make them but this one's special. Yeah, this one is special. But um, had he, had it actually like flown, flown this jetpack, or was it still in the testing phase? I thought only one other person had attempted to fly it, and it crashed and killed him. Uh, this was the su- su- successful test. Mm-hmm. They knew this one worked, and then it was stolen, and they know it still works. So this was the working model. Okay. Had he kept the plans, he could have made more models. And yes, they could have done a lot of things with it that were good. But also, there would have been a lot of bad with it. Because even then, like the guy who we have who uses it successfully um, has a history of using dangerous airplanes and not dying. So he's not he's not the standard. He is the uh, rare percentage who can use this not dangerously. And it's like, oh, well, like general applications. Like what are what would our general applications be? Like well, pizza delivery. Is that with rocket rocket pizza delivery? Oh, heck yeah. 30 minutes or it's free. Rocket doctors. I, I was the docketeer. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, package delivery and. Now That's you have, how Amazon would work. Now you have people just like flying in the air all the time. You're having midair collisions. I mean, yeah. Just think about the. the They're ca- called missiles, John. Just be like, uh, think about the chaos on a, on a playground by the swings, and then just make like scale that up with adults carrying scalpels and hot pizza, <laughs> and. Uh, why are the doctors flying, John? Because why would you take the person who? Ne- having an emergency to the hospital when you can bring the the doctor to you faster i'm assuming because the hospital's cleaner you got alcohol in the jetpack you just well, you have pull to get up a little somehow. spray and it just spray it over and it's sanitized well it's alcohol based we don't know what else is in there i'm you sure just have a separate tank i'm sure that is a hundred percent sanitized there's nothing <laughs> alive in it well I, I just mean the area the room like i wouldn't want to come in I wouldn't want to practice Look, surgery here. If you, 
if you just use some of the cleansing fire that it shoots <laughs> out, you can sterilize the environment. Now you're starting to sound like an evangelical Richard. Just saying. Cleansing fire from your rocket pack because you are the docketeer. <laughs> I mean, and that that's just as a jet pack. Like, now we have our rocket-powered, like, rocket airplanes, which we got anyways because... Mm-hmm. I mean, jets, well, they didn't exist at this time, but they're coming out soon. Yeah, they were initial concepts at this point where people were thinking uh, of the World possibility. War, Nazis had jets in World War II yeah. at the very, very end, and they weren't as good as prop planes, but they still had them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was existed as a concept. It wasn't provided. They were just like, well, we have guided missiles. What if it was pigeon? a person who was guiding it? When did the pigeon? Have you guys heard about that? The pigeon, the, the smart pigeon bombs? guided bombs. Yes. Yeah. When did those come? That it's was World War II. Uh, yeah, it, it came out before though. Yes, yeah, before this like, though, it was wire, it was, wire uh, coordinated rockets was how they kept mm-hmm. things straight. Man, we're talking a lot about World War II guys. I mean, this is World War II, a World War II. It's movie. the lead up. It's a, it's the diesel punk. There's a huge overlap there. Now I just want to talk about Fallout too. It's the wrong thing. Well, it's basically the same thing, except no, because the bombs those, go off. Because that version has the uh, your rocket would be radioactive. Well, everything eventually becomes radioactive. I'm just saying that it's basically going to be the same thing because war, war never changes. Yeah. So we Howard Hughes destroys the plans because he was convinced then that the negatives. To keeping the research were greater than the positives to keep the research. He was Dr. Sarazawa who had to decide, wait, I have this great thing. Basically it's going to be used as a weapon. I'm going to destroy it because I don't want it to be used as a weapon. Mm-hmm. And he'd already lost people that he cared about in its development. Yeah. He lost at least two pilots. And he really likes pilots because he himself is a pilot. He's mm-hmm. all about this. They were probably colleagues and friends from a long time. And he just didn't want to do it anymore. It's not like test pilots are cheap anyways. They're usually like top of their class. Like they have really good skill because they have to fly untested airplanes. So they're not cheap. I mean, human life isn't cheap either, but whatever. Monetarily, test pilots aren't cheap. Now, the real question is, why didn't we get rid of Zeppelins? Why did we? Or why? Yeah, didn't why we? did we get rid of Zeppelins? I'm assuming the explosive hydrogen in them was a big issue. That That is kind of a problem, yeah. But you don't have to use hydrogen. We could do other things. What, you want us to mine helium now? Yeah. But helium's heavier than hydrogen. It doesn't work as well. But we can get it from the moon. So we got to fly Zeppelins to the moon now. <laughs> yeah, you fly a rocket to the moon. Straight to the moon. They hadn't been to the moon yet. They were going to get there. They had rockets now. They had a rocket man. A rocketeer, John. <laughs> rocket man's dumb. <laughs> it's an okay song. I mean, right. the original's pretty good. Some of the weird, like, new cover ones. Mm. So would you listen to the rocket man? But all the lyrics are just cut from the Rocketeer. No. I mean, like, I would admire the tenacity and effort 
except there's now all of the AI bots that you can just feed them about 30 seconds of voice samples. And they can recreate it. And they can recreate it. So. All right. Well, do I have more to say about Rocketeer? Um, well, how about when did you guys first watch this? Is this. Um, I think I first saw it on TV. Yes. As one of the like Disney TV mo- mm. Sunday movies. Yeah. Um, I don't think I watched all of it or paid too close attention to when that came out, though. Yeah. I didn't see it until like I think I was in my twenties. Well, that's not surprising. That's not. That's not surprising. <laughs> but what is surprising? They had a Super Nintendo game of the Rocketeer, and you played that game, and I would rent that one from our. Uh, how, how would you do that? What is, was it? A racing game? Was it like? Um, it was a, the first level was a racing part. You had to fly your plane around to, uh, to qualify for nationals. I guess was, uh, was it like yeah. Galaga, but like sideways? Uh, Some sweet, sweet Disney uh, tie-in games. Mm-hmm synergy um but i never got super uh far on it because it's well i could rent other games like i just zelda i don't see it as a standard platformer i think it goes into a standard platformer where you got to run around and punch guys out like you're punching the mobsters and then uh the big guys the boss i'm not sure i didn't get that far in the game yeah but you could just download it again don't you have like a uh, an emulator and a full setup to do this sort of thing this is off the record, but I'm pretty sure I do have it because I downloaded every Super Nintendo game. <laughs> Unofficially. <laughs> well, this is going to get cut out. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying that Michael Eisner is willing to uh, spend a lot of money on things that didn't necessarily work out super well in the long run. Ah, Perry. Or Paris, I guess. Because it's Americanized. Ah, Perry. And I don't speak French, so. Um, But yeah, like... I feel like that's the issue is why it didn't do it is because like, it kind of feels like it should be a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. But when you were a kid, you didn't watch it. I didn't really care that much when I was a kid. None of the characters were kids. That's true. There were no Kenny's mm-hmm. like it. It obviously has a cult following now. Um, it's not a bad movie. I didn't, I didn't hate watching it. I got, it's a good, like, having it on in the background sort of movie. You know what's going on, but you don't need to super pay attention to it. I mean, uh, Timothy Dalton as a Neville Sinclair, he's a pretty good villain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When he does villains, this is a pretty good villain as it goes. And I liked his little line of, uh, can you take a punch or whatever? And he uh, punches him back, like, or the, where's I, your stuntman yeah, now? He's like, I do my own stunts. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a funny quip, and you know it, it makes sense because he's a uh, a '30s actor swashbuckler mm-hmm. who does. We watch him do his own sword fight. He stabbed a guy, and like jumps onto a table and swings on a rope. Mm-hmm. And he uh, it was up to like take twenty eight of that shot. So he's done it twenty eight times. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to be doing a new series on Disney Plus, is I the believe, rumor? Let me, let me look. They did a Young Rocketeer series in 2019. It's probably not the same kind of thing, though. It is a CGI children's show. So not it has pulp a fiction. kid, because they're trying to appeal to a kid's audience. Okay, so this is from Space.com. 
Um, the Return of the Rocketeer will be a sequel to the fan favorite action adventure from 1991. This was written back in 2021. Um, obviously, it still hasn't happened yet. But uh, we don't know if that's because it's in uh It might be in development hell or... Yeah. Uh, so they said they were going to work on it. All right. We don't know if it is and who knows at all. So there have been announced Rocketeer... A potential Rocketeer sequel. Who knows when, though? Because it seems like Disney's canceling a lot of their movies because of financial issues. Well, they got to make better movies. They do have to make better movies. They also need to stop spending like $87 billion on, on each one. Uh, no, on the X-Men specifically. That's how much they paid for Fox. Ooh. And the only, the only reason they spent that much is because Comcast want, also wanted... The Fox um, Entertainment or what it, whomever owned the X-Men. But they knew Disney was going to get it because Disney gets... The mouse always gets his cheese. Yeah. So they kind of just kept upping the bid. And Disney kept falling for it. <laughs> so, uh, that yeah. $87 billion for the Fantastic Four and the X-Men? I mean, but they got all of Fox, right? I think so, except because the they news. also got uh, the Aliens franchise and Die Hard, and and Die Hard, and um, the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Which I I could definitely see the Simpsons being helpful for Disney Plus, but still, that's a lot of money, especially like right before the pandemic. Yeah, obviously they didn't know the pandemic was coming out and that they were going to be losing so much money. Well, yeah, but everyone's going to be inside. And they were just about to launch a streaming service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but none of their movies were making money. That's true. Because a streaming service, it's what? But aren't their movies mostly just advertisements for the theme park? Basically. But then the theme parks were closed down. Yeah, no one could go to theme parks. I think the moral of the story is is that... Be thrifty. Don't spend $87 billion. You never know when a global pandemic is going to just totally throw all your business plans out the window. And also make sure you have the right tar- the the right target audience for your movie. You're targeting the right demographic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay, so let's assume the Rocketeer is going to be brand new. Uh, how would you mark? How would you set? Uh, this is all a question for both of you guys. How would you set up the Rocketeer as a modern movie? Like, I mean, would you keep it in the Art Deco style? Would you still keep it in the the 30s, 40s, like World War II era. It, it the Rocketeer makes the most sense as a diesel punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is diesel punk for those who who don't know? All right, so diesel punk falls into kind of the Art Deco um, 1940s techno technologies mm-hmm. sequence. You know, before the 50s, before we had fut- uh, futurism. Mm-hmm. So you have your Art Deco, but then you also have your very industrial look like everything's functional you prefer metal colors um batman the animated series is diesel punk as well oh i mean it's art deco it's art deco i wouldn't call it diesel punk but i just mean the art style like the style yeah that's that's art deco which is very popular like they're they're two separate things but they they work together really well kind of like how victorian art style works for steampunk it's like they're different but victorian goes into steampunk or edwardian Edwardian. Edwardian. It, it's, it kind of overlaps a bit. They're basically the same-ish. Yeah, because the thing is, is that the diesel punk's very much about the uh, technology, but it's very functional. 
to the point technology. None of them fancy gad. Well, you have well, dials that tell you. Yeah, see, it's diesel punk because you have the jetpack. Mm-hmm. Every part of the jetpack looks like it has a purpose. There's no um, stenciling. Like if you made it a steampunk jetpack, um, you would have knobs, whistles. You would have a uh, filigree and cogs turning. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how you you think about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I like I knew fire. What fire is also a part of uh, mm-hmm. diesel punk. Mm-hmm. It's it more closely uh, ties into the brutalist movement. Yeah, brutalism and Art Deco mm-hmm. for your two uh, architectural styles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew what that was. I knew what those went. But just in, I'll cut this part out. But it's like for other people listening who might not be into the same stuff. Sure, we're sure, you knew, Eric. You knew. I know what diesel punk is. Personally, I prefer cassette futurism. So, yeah. I, <laughs> I think I love cassette futurism. You want to go play some quadrilateral quadrilateral cowboy now? I don't know know what that is, but probably. Oh boy, do I, I do I have a video game trailer for you? Ooh. Oh, oh actually, to be honest, I think I'm a huge fan of cassette futurism as well. <laughs> um, for those who don't, <coughs> if I keep this in the podcast or whatever, it's basically '80s st- styling. Like, well, it's, it's 80s styling of the future, like uh, yeah, late the, 70s, 80s version of what you thought the future was going to look like based off of. So take the alien ship, the Nostromo. Yep. That's a future cassettism or cassette futurism. Like where you're doing super advanced science stuff, but you're using um, the PC you have at home mm-hmm. and it's still running DOS. Or and basic, you, or yeah, and you're like, oh, this is this is the future. Like it's all command line. We're gonna we're gonna have a computer that can calculate things beyond human possibility, and its display is still a uh, type based. I mean, it's a super advanced artificial intelligence, but yes, it will co- talk to you in either voice modulation, uh, like Hal from. 20,000 2021 no not 2020 and all and there's clunky cassettes and tapes and reels and um i would almost not quite cyberpunk very very cyberpunk deals kind of goes into it but just with the 80s styling and whatnot but cassette anyways we should probably go back to the rocketeer <laughs> although I well, little... these are all the concepts about the rocketeer so we're talking about what it would look like and i'm like we gotta if you were doing a modern it. remake you would want to keep that kind of uh, Yeah, I, I feel like it'd still be the same feel. You want it to be pulp. You want them to be fighting uh, Nazis and stuff because um, you're kind of a superhero who's not super. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a real issue there is you're a superhero movie that's not a superhero movie and there's kind of a superhero fatigue going around now. Mm-hmm. You need to have mm-hmm. a hero that can bleed, basically. It's just a, like you said, just a regular guy. Well, but it's that's the thing is that it's mostly because you're still telling the same kind of stories, but those kind of stories aren't selling super well. Um, because like the Rocketeer type story pulls a lot from the Flash Gordon mm-hmm. and things like that, where it is just a regular person who has been given one thing that makes them stand out above other people he has his jetpack that is it but that's it but he's the only one with the jetpack but he's also the only one who can fly the jetpack assuming from the movie um since the other test pilots couldn't couldn't do it but he was able to make it work he that's the special thing about him 
Like, mm, but this. he isn't smarter, faster, mm. more wealthy. Mm. He's a regular guy who was from like, you know, the just outside LA. He's he's the rural area outside of LA. He was yeah. He was the crop dusting pilot that got his hands on a rocket pack, and that's what made him special. He didn't have military training or super serums or anything like that. And it sells itself in a specific kind of way, which isn't super well right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff now seems to be superhero movies were really popular. So now everyone's let's deconstruct the superhero movie. Um, all the invincible and the boys, which are some of the more popular. And I don't think the rocketeer lends itself to deconstruction very well. No, it no, it's, it embraces the tropes. It is a pulp movie. It's too sincere for the modern audience. Mm. Maybe like once this, the deconstruction finally winds down or whatever, you could then bring the Rocketeer back and that, you know what? This is just, this is a fan making a movie for fans. Or, or this is a classic story. Mm. I think we can get back to kind of the pulp to where he's just a good guy. Mm-hmm. And he goes on an adventure. Because mm-hmm. it's like, uh, when did that one come out to? Which one? So 13 years later, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Oh, I remember that movie. I never saw it, but it was. I don't think anyone saw it really. I did. Well, I know you did, but you see lots of stuff, Richard. It's true. I, I see I, a lot of weird things is what I do. I don't know if we'll ever have a generation that can connect to the concepts in a the rocketeer the same way though because it's kind of about a uh, jumps in technology and so we're going to kind of have this connection because we went from uh having to use encyclopedias to being able to type something on Google yeah like like through our, our life experience, we've had this massive jump in technology. And that's kind of what it's referencing too, is that massive jump in technology from beginning of the century through World War Two, where you know that period of time had a massive jump. I where, think where like World War One started with cavalry on horseback and then ended with tanks, like and airplanes. Yeah. Like basically if you want like weird, like interesting military history, look at pictures of troops from the beginning of World War One to troops at the end of World War One, because it start like it looks like the Napoleonic, you know, bright white, bright colors, big tall feathers on the hats to long coat, short helmet, dark colors, so that you blend it in. Um, I think you could have like some. A massive jump in technology like as a story wise but i think they would be the villain well yeah see and that, that's the issue here is because the rocketeer is about the two sides of it it's mm-hmm. the rocketeer is using the tool for good and the threat is the bad guys get a hold of it to use it for evil and like that's a kind of thought that's not very popular now the, the, um, well it would be if Okay, assume Elon Musk comes out with a amazing new technology. Yeah, but Elon gonna... Musk is evil, don't you know? That's, exactly. That's, that's the standard. That's the thought. If it's owned by a corporation, it will be used for evil. Mm. If it's used by a singular person... It'll be used for evil. Yeah. And that's like, oh, well, he's the one guy. He has it. 
He can only use it for evil. And so that's the problem with the, the kind of mindset we're in now for... Because in superhero films, it's the, if you have power, you will use it for evil. And you we need to shift back around to the hopeful aspect where... Uh, you can have someone who has power and then will use it for good. Yeah, you can have your, your doc, Dr. Tear. <laughs> Scalpel's flying at 300 miles an hour. And that just makes me think of the uh, sur- the surgery with the 300% mortality rate. <laughs> <laughs> Where the patient, the doctor, and one of the assistants I, died. I don't think the doctor died. It was the patient, a member of the audience, and the assistant and the died. Assistant. Yeah. Although the member of the audience is kind of a stretch. He just happened to have a heart attack at the same time. But still, three people died. <laughs> yeah, but he had a heart attack because he watched two people die. Um, we'll, we'll have to have this up in another episode. But look up the doctor with 300% fatality rate. It will probably bring up the story. Or the history, I guess. It's not a story. It might be. But I, it came from the 1800s. So, you know, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. So, yeah, so I, I feel like we're kind of stuck in a cynical relationship to technology right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think that if you were trying to make the Rocketeer right now, then it would have to be, you would have, I think it would kind of go the Ant-Man route, where it's the uh, guy who does something slightly sketchy but has the heart of gold gets the technology from somebody else. All right. So, so he's a rogue. Mm-hmm. Is it not just, you know, an outsider, but literally kind of a going against the grain. Mm-hmm. I think more that's, of a Robin hood character. Yeah. I think that's how you would have to sell the rocketeer for a modern audience right now. And then I do like, Nazis can still be the villains. I mean, you could still have Nazis. I mean, it worked you for Iron. Al- it worked for Iron Sky. You can always just punch Nazis. <laughs> but it it would be that you could basic. I'd say you could basically put down any government agency and have them be the bad guys, and people would go, "Yes, obviously." Department of Transportation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is really against the Department of Transportation. The FAA. Yeah. He doesn't have a flight plan. What What's his tail number? <laughs> I, I would concur, though. I think it still needs to be set in the 1930s, 40s. Um, uh, just, I think that's I'd say the technology, like, the technology feels more accurate for that because the further we get into rockets and jets and flight, the more and more we go, I guess jetpacks really don't work super great. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that another strike against it? As it's using a technology that's like commonly known to be absurd. But everyone wants a jetpack, though. Like, yeah, but we actually have functioning jetpacks now, and they work for all of like twenty seconds. Yeah, because they burn up so much fuel. If only we had some sort of alcohol. Yeah, we're, we're already passing that because now we're getting personal transport drones. Mm-hmm. It's like an ATV with uh, the drone wings. Mm, oh yeah. Um, apparently, a company in Utah is making like a motorbike version of it. Yeah. 
I'm just, you know, hopefully don't fall off and fall I mean, into the rotors. If you but, want, like, but see, uh, now we're getting back to Sky Pirates. We've got to bring Zeppelins back. Look, there's a... <laughs> Dirigibles. There was a, uh, a dude in Britain that built his own drone-based motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin Furs. You can look him up on YouTube. He does a bunch of crazy engineering stuff. Mm-hmm. Because apparently this is what happened. It's a, it's a fun channel if you like science engineering stuff. But then again, I think what we've learned here is that we don't need a new Rocketeer. We have a Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. We have a Rocket Man. And, and, that's, and it's good enough. See, and I think that's one of the bigger issues that they were keep running into because they wanted to... Like, when did they announce the, uh, we're going to do a Rocketeer 2? I believe 2021. Oh, no, they announced it before then. Uh, 2021 is, like, updates... Rocketeer 2. Uh, 2016 was when it was announced. Oh, yeah. So it's definitely in development hell. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up doing updates. I know it's the 2021 is when they went, okay, we're going to release it on Disney Plus, And they've cycled through a couple of directors. All right. But we should. Uh... We should. Pro- I think we've probably gotten. Pr- pretty close to like going through what we want to talk about um yeah i think we just gotta we've just kind of been like just talking about art styles and everything <laughs> we're just going off on all sorts of tangents look the rocketeer lends itself to talking about a lot of fun things especially if you're into uh like specific art styles because if you like the art deco look man who didn't love bioshock and rapture and it's it has fun. It has a lot of fun ideas. It didn't find its target audience then, and it would be hard to find a target audience for it now. I mean, you basically release it on a, um, hey guys, remember that cult movie you really liked? Well, we we're redoing it or whatever. So you have to you're releasing a movie for fans who can be fickle. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Star Wars fans. The only people who hate Star Wars more than Star. Um, the people who hate Star Wars the most are Star Wars fans. I'd say the people who hate Star Wars more than Star Trek fans are Star Wars fans. I mean, you can be a Star Trek fan and still like Star Wars. Even though Star Wars is the objectively better show, but whatever. <laughs> but I mean, you also hate like half the movies that come out. I mean, not you specifically, John, but just <laughs> Star Wars fans in general. In general. What about our fans? Our patrons? I don't hate them. I don't. Maybe they hate us, but I don't know. Maybe I sure hope don't don't invite them to do that. They're giving us money. Well, we're going to thank them before we jump the shark. Yes, we'd like to thank you, patrons, for all that you do for us, and just well keeping keeping us going, keeping the lights on on this podcast. We otherwise we'd have to record in the dark. I mean, we can try, but I mean, it's hard to look up the uh, plot holes in the dark. Well, we have cell phones, so and I guess the it's glowing not that computer bad. screen kind of is fine. I mean. Let's see. But yeah, th- no, this is nice. But but thank I you. Can turn down the brightness. Thank you, anyways, patrons. You, we do appreciate you. We appreciate uh, you know, listening every week to us well, ramble about things. We're not that consistent yet. Hopefully, we need more patrons to do that. So everyone, put on your missionary tags. Go knock some doors and uh, look. I'm still on the. If you have them in your car, just turn it on. Captive audiences work. That's Stockholm Syndrome. But. You say that like it's a bad thing. If you like the episode, 
leave a like on Facebook and maybe leave a comment. Say, which what would you like to use rocket technology for? Do you want 30-minute pizza? Or would you want that doctor with those high-speed scalpels to come fix your problems? <laughs> or in 280 characters or less, let us know on Twitter. And I'm going to deviate from your question, John. What's your favorite art style? Are you a fan of the art deco? Do you like future cassettism? Um, steampunk? Is that your jam? Surrealism. Um, oh, what? German impressionism. Uh, modernism is that's the one with all the rockets and whatnot, right? Uh, like from the fifties. What was that called? Uh, isn't that futurism? I don't know. Like modern futurism. Modernism. We'll see. What what it is now is retro futurism. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, well, you're writing this in hope. Well, at the time of recording, 2023, is it retro futurism? Is it some unknown style that you can't even say? It's cubism for sure. Uh, just let us know on Twitter at plotspacklepod. Or if you've got your entire art history thesis about this, because, well, s- some of you went to college for this probably. You can tell us how we're wrong about it. You can everything. tell us about the difference between Victor- Victorian era and Edwardian era, why I should not have compared brutalism and Art Deco in any way. Look, I know. I know they're separate. I promise. One of them has a lot of chrome and smooth lines, and the other one is hard angles. But it still combines to give you this aesthetic. Tell me how I'm wrong. Plotspacklepodcast at gmail.com. Okay, we went on so many tangents, I forgot what I was going to end with. <laughs> Because I had a plan, and then then we went to art. Look, I think did, when you th- oh, were like, oh, hey, when we were doing was. Brendan, when we were going to watch The Rocketeer, did you Im- immediately think, oh, yeah, it's a Brendan Fraser film? And then go, wait a minute, it isn't. Discount Brendan Fraser. It Fla- should have Fraser. been Brendan Fraser. It should have. Would Brendan Fraser have made this film more successful? Yes, but Brendan Fraser wasn't until the end of the decade. He when, He was doing like small stuff at the early nineties, right? Cause didn't he do Encino man? Yeah, he was doing, he was more of the, uh, like the stone uh, college comedy, comedy uh, character mm-hmm. early nineties before mm-hmm. he became the action character. But I was going to say, I mean, if rocket technology existed, death of a salesman would be very different. <laughs> I mean, he would have just like smashed through the front door and then it would have ended. Yeah. Because, that's, that's know, how he died. So it's a literal tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> He's a traveling salesman door to door with rocket, rocket, techno- uh, with rocket technology. Very different ending. <laughs>